21st century Doing something mean to it Do it better than anybody you ever seen Do it screams from the haters Got a nice ring to it I guess every superhero need his theme music Go on, man, to have all that power The clock's ticking, I just count the hours Stop tripping, I'm tripping off the power What's going on, everybody? This is the feature indeed, and I am your host, Austin Prell. Sixers looking for some uh, response after their difficult and frustrating loss to the Brooklyn Nets on Wednesday in Philly. They were playing another home game on national TV, this time against the Pacers. They beat the Pacers on the road the first time they played them this year. Obviously, that was before the Butler trade. In fact, that was right before the Butler trade. So now things are a little different. However, Jimmy was out again dealing with the groin strain. He is believed to be likely to play on Sunday versus the Cavaliers. Although, if it had been me, I probably would have had him out. I probably would have had him play today, honestly. But obviously, there's no point in um, in Reflecting on that now. So, let's get into the game. The Pacers win this one 113-101. The Sixers had, it felt like a pretty good hand on this game for at least the first half of it. They led by as many as 10 in the first half. And they're up 10 going into halftime. Pacers... Uh, and they led by no, I'm sorry, they led by as many as 12 in the first half. In the second half, Pacers came roaring back as teams tend to do against the Sixers. They outscored them by 13 and led by three going into the fourth. In the fourth, they really pulled away, leading by as many as 14. And ultimately, the Sixers just ran out of out of gas against a very good defensive team. Sixers averaged, I think, 100. 10 at I think they they average at least 110 points per game this season they only scored 101 on their home court tonight so obviously in the end is a very good defensive team but the Sixers had a lot of annoying um occurrences throughout this game we'll call it that so the first half um sorry no, the first quarter let's start with the the Sixers were able to pull ahead by as many as 10 in that quarter thanks to six offensive rebounds, four of which came from, or maybe three of which came from Joel Embiid. The Pacers also shot 40% from the field, so that helped the Sixers a lot. They'd be able to get out in transition and and uh, and score. Redick started out the game very hot. He had, uh, he had seven points early on three of three field goals. And they led by as many as 10 in that first quarter. Second quarter, the, the Pacers' bench um, came to life. Boyan Bogdanovich exploited unfavorable defense or favorable defensive matchups in the form of Frikan Korkmaz and other bench players. And the Pacers' bench effectively outscored the Sixers by 9 in that quarter. And when I say that, I mean the Pacers' bench outscored the Sixers' bench. By nine. Ultimately, the Sixers were able to pull away a bit and lead by 10 going into halftime. Overall, for the first half, Pacers' bench was plus 15. So, 
that was a, a theme in the game as it usually is. Embiid, though, had four offensive rebounds, and he had 10 defensive rebounds in the first half. So he had 14 boards overall in the first half and 28 points in the first half. His first half was a great game for the for, for most players. So that tells you how good he is. Uh, I wanted to talk about, we don't, we don't do this often, but how? why is he this good? How is he able to be this good? And there is a particular instance I want to point, I want to, I want to point you guys towards that sort of showcased just a bit how good how he is so good and why he's so good. First, um, I think the, the the play occurred late in the first half. It was on Miles Turner. It was an M one. It was an M one. And Bede caught it in the low plo- low post with his back to the with his back to the basket on the block. Quick spin move, and then a jam over Turner, and it was really a a testament to his footwork and his foot speed. Even though he has an injury of bad feet and lower extremities, knock on wood, please. His foot, his footwork is tremendous. He, his footwork is very well executed and very well taught, but his foot speed is tremendous for his size. And so he's able to get around slower bigs, which most are slow, and he's able to work very quickly. And that, and that combo with his size makes him very, 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 very hard to defend because he's very methodical. Uh, his foot placement is tremendous. And it makes defenders crazy trying to defend him because they, they either foul him or they just can't stop him because they're not big enough. And so that and one on Miles Turner was it was a terrific play. And that just was just a foreshadow or just a, a small sample of how great Embiid is because of his footwork and his size. The second chance points ultimately helped the Sixers a lot in the first half. Scored as many as 12, I think. Or scored, they scored about 12, I'll, I'll say. Um, they kept the Pacers off the defensive glass, and they kept them off, and, and they were able, to, they were able to, to grab offensive boards and ultimately create second opportunities for themselves to score. And that's how they had the first half in hand. Um, it also helped that they held Oladipo to only four points in the first half on one of six shooting. Compared to, to any, I think he had twenty something, twenty plus, in the first half when they played Indiana in Indiana about a month ago, so that was a big turning point. Sixers only had four turnovers in the first half, so that was a, that was a, also a big development because, as we see, as we've grown to learn about this team, when they don't turn the ball over, when they take good care of the ball, they're pretty damn hard to beat. Four turnovers in the first half. They're up ten against a very good team without without their own best player. It did occur to me that I think opponents might be just a touch figuring out Reddick's dribble handoff because they run that so so much for JJ, and now they're sort of doubling it a little bit. They're sort they're sort of cheating it and they're working over it. And JJ is tripping over people now, and he's getting stripped or he's getting stuck and he's turned the ball over a lot and it's it's ultimately resulting in one man transitions or or, or fouls that are fouls that are um, of a clear path variety and you know it's it's a, it's a play here and there but obviously those points add up and when you lose a game by 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 three like they did against the Nets that's significant. 
that's a significant input you can turn to it and say that had an effect on this game. And that just means that the Sixers have to do have to do a better job of diversifying the offense. Brett Brown has to utilize the pick and roll with, with, with Jimmy Butler better. They have to create other ways of running their plays. They can't just go to the J.J. Redick dribble handoff or a jump shot every time. I know they don't have a lot of shooters, but they do have shooters. They're not this deprived shooting team. Ten years ago, they, were, they, they shot under 30% from three. They were the worst shooting team in the NBA. Now they're only shooting it, I think, about 34 35%, which is not good by any stretch, but they do have guys who can make threes. They, they have to do a better job of diversifying their shot creation and the plays that they run because the Reddick dribble handoff is just getting is just getting repetitive and teams are figuring it out. Teams are watching film and they're game planning for that play. Because that play ultimately shuts JJ down too, and if you can't get him hot and he's not scoring, you're going to have a really hard time scoring the ball yourself as a whole. The third quarter, things went to hell. Embiid, although he had four offensive rebounds in the quarter, he had three turnovers early in the quarter, and it took him out of his rhythm. It really ended his cold, his, his hot streak for the night, and it brought the Pacers back into the game. Sixers did play good transition defense in that third quarter, and it really limited Indiana a bit. But Indiana did have more shots. They had more possessions. It did occur to me that the Sixers ultimately got away from their own defensive principles that have led them to success this year. Miles Turner hit a corner three, and Darren Collison hit a corner three. Sixers pride themselves defensively on take away the corner three at all costs. That means allowing guards to get into the paint and score, and you'll live with that because you have Embiid there. If teams are hitting corner threes, or they're letting they're, they're, they're letting players make corner threes, or they're giving them up at any point, you're getting away from their principles. And, you're taking, and, the, and the offense on the other team is, is, is effectively taking the Sixers' defense out of their own game, and you lose games that way. Ultimately, in the third quarter, the Sixers shot 7-22 from the field to go along with, I believe, I want to say six turnovers in that quarter, but I, I, I can't remember exactly. Um, and that was really the difference in that quarter. The Pacers were down by as many as 10. They come out up three in the third quarter. What can they do in the fourth quarter that will get to the Sixers to keep themselves alive and pull out a win? Not much is what they did. They had six turnovers in the, in the fourth quarter, late in the fourth quarter when the Pacers were lingering and then they were building up that lead and then they were running away with it eventually. The Sixers ran out of gas. It, it was lazy, lazy plays towards the end. It was bad defense in the end. And... Really, Embiid ran out of steam, and he had 40 points, 29 rebounds for the game, but you could only ask so much of him. And I would, I, and I, earlier in the game, I did say that I need him to do more, just just a bit more. Um, in 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 that early third quarter stage, because the three straight turnovers took him out of the, took him out of his game, and it brought the piss, the Pacers back to life. I don't need him yet to get 55, 60. I just need him to get 45. 46. But, and he can do that because instead of shooting threes, which he shot one of six for tonight, 
bury his ass in the post. Get him. He 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 could he could abuse Miles Turner. He could abuse Sabonis. And if you and if he does that, he's gonna get himself M ones. He's gonna get himself to the free throw line. He only shot how many free throws did he shoot tonight? Embiid shot sixteen free throws tonight. That's that's a lot of free throws. That you, 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 nothing to say about that. That is a lot of free throws. But a, a smaller big like that's an oxymoron. But a, a a smaller center like Turner or Sabonis. Those guys are or Thaddeus Young. Those guys are all in charge of manning of manning the paint against Embiid. He can go to work on them. He can make them foul to stop. He can get easy points from the free throw line that way. He can get dunks and layups. He should not be shooting threes against the. He should not be shooting six threes. He can shoot threes. He can shoot three or four a game. But he was taking ill-advised bad threes, and he was missing them. He was not making any. He made one of them, and I thought that if if he had focused on on, on task at hand, if he had, if if he had done what he knows he can do. He just he wants to be sexy with it. If he buried himself in that paint in the second half and refused to come out of that paint, he would have probably gotten 50 in the game tonight. He probably would have gotten 50. But I'm not going to blame the loss on him because he gave you 40 and 21, and there's not much more you can ask of him. I just asked for better execution and better decision-making. I asked for fewer turnovers. I ask for focus. That's all I'm asking for, really. I thought Brett Brown was bad towards the tail end of this game tonight. I thought that... um, I thought that... uh, For one, one, two things I noticed here. There were multiple plays in that first half, and even in the second half a little bit, where there were lineups featuring TJ McConnell, Shamit, and Reddick. I'm not saying that that's a, there's a problem with that lineup per se, although it's not a great lineup. I'm not, I, I don't. It's not. It's not necessarily a problem per se, but their default their default action was to drop down to the paint against the Pacers. They weren't staying up top with. With guys like Collison, or Corey Joseph, or Doug McDermott, or Oladipo. Although Oladipo's not a good matchup for anybody, really. But they weren't doing that. They were going down and, and trying to trying to. They, they were they were forced to guard guys like Thaddeus Young, Miles Turner, Bulan Bogdanovich. Um. And. Obviously, you just look at that matchup and you're like scratching your head because why would they ever be put in a position? Why would, why would three guards of that size? One's a rookie; he's not big enough yet, not strong enough. TJ's just too small, and Reddick's are too slow and too small. Why would they ever drop down by default under the basket? The ball is immediately going to get swung to a big man in the post to take advantage of the mismatch. Now, Brett Brown cannot say, hey, excuse me, please don't pass to the post. It's a mismatch for my guys. But he can say, move your ass up. Get out of the paint. Ben, drop down there. Or 
or Wilson drop down there, or Mescala drop down there. I mean, there are better size, sizable options than having Redick, um, Shamit, and TJ there. There's got to be. He also did, I thought he did a terrible job late in the game of scheming, scheming defensively against Oladipo. He had Wilson fucking Chandler. Wilson fucking Chandler on Victor Oladipo. Wilson Chandler is a 32-year-old injury-prone small forward. What the hell is he going to do against Victor Oladipo? You need to bring Ben Simmons up. Switch Chandler off of the very mobile, very young, very athletic, very talented Victor Oladipo. And you need to bring Ben Simmons, who's a bigger, more athletic, and quicker player, up on Oladipo. Although Ben's not exactly a great perimeter defender for guards, per se, he's a better option 10 times out of 10 than Wilson Chandler. Wilson Chandler should be in a position in the post where he can defend a slower player and then get the double if need be from the help. He should never be up in an isolation situation against a guy of Victor Oladipo's elk. It's a bad business decision. It's a really bad business decision. And it killed them in the in the fourth quarter because what happens is Oladipo eats five, six, seven, eight seconds off the shot clock. Without a problem, zips past Chandler. Pulls up for a, a mid-range two off, off of a screen. Buries it. Or, or off the roll, he finds Turner. Or he finds a cutting Thaddeus Young. Because guys like Embiid and Simmons have to come up and help, it leaves the paint wide open and guys can cut and get easy looks at the rim. Having Wilson Chandler on Victor Oladipo, I believe is why the Sixers got exploited in the fourth quarter. All Brett Brown had to do was say, Wilson, slide your ass over to uh, Bogdanovich or or Thaddeus Young or whoever they have. It's a bonus. But he cannot be on Oladipo. It's going to end poorly. And it did every single possession in that fourth quarter. It's a large part of why I believe they lost the game tonight. Another area that the Sixers just suck. The bench. I said this a thousand freaking times. I said this a thousand times. And hopefully the near trade that pulled off, that was pulled off tonight it was a disaster because the teams involved are a mess. But they need to make a move to get a bench piece to solidify that backup uh, the backups on their bench, they need to do that very, very, very fast because they are getting crushed on the bench on a nightly basis. The simple fact of the matter is this. Although Wilson Chandler sucks as a starter, I mean, he sucks. He is awful. He can give you something off the bench on a nightly basis. He can give you something off the bench on a nightly basis. Maybe he gives you five. Maybe he gives you seven. Maybe he gives you ten. Tonight he gave you zero in starter in starters minutes. Not a fucking thing. Zero points on the board. Zero. 
30 minutes of play, five rebounds, one assist, one block, zero points for a starting small forward, starting power forward on a team with NBA Finals aspirations. Delegate your ass to the bench. Get a piece in there. I don't care if you get a piece that moves Chandler to the bench because the piece is better, or you get a piece for the bench. But you need to add something to that bench. And I know the this point's a little weird because it, it because saying that with Chandler getting zero points tonight, what's that going to do for anybody? He's more capable of giving you something than Shake Milton or Amir Johnson. I mean, it's just a fact. Whatever he can give you off the bench is a is is, is you'll, you'll take it. But you need to get another piece in there, whether it's someone who to play behind. Chandler, although he's playing so badly that just getting another player, just getting one more player on this roster would effectively push Chandler to the bench anyway. So you need to get two more players on this roster, really. I don't need a superstar. You're done with that. You have your superstars. You need to get somebody like Trevor Ariza or TJ Warren or Markeith Morris. You need to get a perimeter player on the bench who can get you 15 on any given night. You need it. Bellinelli and Elisa were not good defenders, but you saw what happened last year once they joined the team. Team won 16 straight games despite losing Embiid for the tail end of the regular season. 16 in a row they won. You need to get a bench piece. Why is that? Sixers bench averages 31 points a game. That feels like a lot. I would I thought it was going to be way lower than that. The league average is 37. So while a six-point difference is not significant on paper, the Sixers' point differential is plus 1.8. They're winning games. The, 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 result, the, the average result of a Sixers game is the Sixers winning by less than two points. So, when you, so if you think that six points lower than the league average is not much, that makes a pretty damn big difference in how these games turn out. Tonight, those six extra points, taking the fact that the Sixers had to foul intentionally towards the end of the game, just 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 to just just to because they, they they wanted to they went they just wanted to stay alive in hopes that maybe they'd miss. Let's say that you take away three or four of those free throws, making maybe so. Let's say you take away four of those intentional foul free throws at the end of the game, make it one hundred nine one hundred one. Six points off, six points extra off the bench. It's a three point difference, and the game is a much different game. When you have a differential of less than two, when you're when, when the average result of your games is your team's winning by two or less, and your bench is six points below the league average, that's a pretty big red flag. You need to change something fast. Tonight, just as it was the other night. But other night against against the Brooklyn Nets, Sixers bench outscored by 40 points, 71 to 31, 71 to 31 off of the bench. Tonight, 39 to 15, outscored by 24 points. You look at the players on the Sixers bench: Shamit, McConnell, uh, Mescala. That doesn't scream defense to me. Korkmaz, when you consider the fact that Jimmy Butler's a starter. So Korkmaz, 
Mescala, Shamit, McConnell. That group is not going to get anything done defensively. And when they don't score either, every lead that you build, it might as well be a, it might as well be a brand new game once once the bench comes in because they can't do shit. And that's exactly why they get hurt in the second half of the game. That's exactly why they cannot build upon their leads when the starters sub out, starters sub out or when the half comes to an end because the, the starters have to get a little bit back. The starters have to get a little bit warm to begin the third quarter and they get subbed out and the bench comes in and they get torched. Tonight it was 39 to 15. They need to get to a point where they're scoring 34, 35 points a night. I don't know how much the defense is going to change off the bench, but I do know this. 31 points per game off the bench is absolutely putrid. You look at what other benches get on the Sixers, they get 38 points. It's 29th in the league. Sixers, Sixers bench gets at 38 points a game. 29th in the NBA. 38 points they give up. They average 31. The Sixers bench is getting outscored by 7. The Sixers starters score 67. Wait. Oh, sorry. The Sixers starters are scoring 79 points a night. That's good for sixth in the NBA. They give up 67 per night. So that's 12. That's a plus 12. And then it's minus 7. So that's a five-point net. Against a good team like the Pacers or a team with potent guards like the Nets that could explode at any time, you're only going to get about 20 points from your bench. You're going to get up about 40 points from the bench. And that's why they lose these games. That's why they can't... That's why That's why. The, that's why this so far this year the theme has been they can kick the shit out of the bad teams, but they haven't gotten a great... They've gotten one great win against a good team. That was the Pacers in Indiana. Until they get a capable player who can produce off of the bench. This team is going to sit at the level of borderline elite, but not good enough to get over the top versus the Celtics or the Raptors. Look at both those teams. Look at both of them. Terry Rozier, Gordon Hayward, Morris. Um, that's three players off the bench who can give you 20 points on any given night, who do give you at least one of them gives you 15 every night. The Sixers bench scored 15 tonight. So one player off the Celtics bench can give can, can match by himself what the Sixers bench can, it produces on some by itself some nights. Raptors bench get, gets about 45, 50 points a night. Fred Van Vliet, C.J. Miles, um, uh, 
Jonas Valanciunas. Those guys are capable of getting 20 points on a given night. I'm not sure there's one guy on the Sixers bench who could give you 20 points on one night of the whole season. I hope that this game... I hope that this game was a message for Elton Brand. He's done a fantastic job so far. He's been, a great, he's been great in the community. He's been tremendous for this team, getting Jimmy Butler for Covington and Sharich. He needs to make one or two more moves to give this team an outstanding chance to do something this year. Go out and get Markeith Morris. Go out and get Trevor Ariza. Go out and get Jared Dudley. Go out and get um, Demory Carroll. Go out and get Justin Holiday. Go out and get um, Wayne Ellington. Go out and get Trevor Ariza. I think I said that name already. Go out and get... Any of those guys, really. I mean, it's it's just so simple. Well, it's not simple, but that's what you need to do. And I hope that a game, a game like tonight is what gets out and Brent on the phone to go make that last trade to put this team over the top. There's a lot of tankers out there right now. There's a lot of teams that are itching to, itching to get a trade to get rid of one of their veterans who they don't need. You can wait to the buyout period, but what's the point? You have pieces on the team that are movable now who aren't giving you anything. You might as well just get rid of them and open up additional roster spots. By the way, if you make a trade for a guy who you know you can get in the buyout market or you think is marginal anyway, I've got news for you. By trading away two or three of your bench guys who give you zero or close to zero on a nightly basis, and you go and bring some guy in who can give you 10, 50, who can give you 10 on a nightly basis, you can then you can then go use those two opened roster spots to go get a buyout guy on at the deadline when the buyout period opens, and suddenly you can fill your roster spot your 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 bench unit with three guys who are capable of knocking down shots and for getting fifteen points a night. Don't believe me? Just watch. The feed to Embiid and its name is protected by U.S. copyright laws. Reproduction and distribution of the feed to Embiid without written permission of the sponsor is prohibited. Copyright the feed to Embiid 2018. And if you like shotgunning beer and you want to increase your shotgun time at parties, go check out my boys at the King Cobra. The shotgunning tool that makes the perfect shotgunning hole in under a second. It's also... Opens bottles, pulls tab, punches vents, and it fits on the keychain. You can find them on Instagram at the King Cobra Co. That would be the King Cobra Co. Cobra with this with spelled with a K. And for a ten percent discount on all Cobra products, enter the code Trust the Cobra Ten, all caps, all one word. Pick up yours today. Sixers lose a frustrating game to the Indiana Pacers, 113-101. to 
They dropped two in a row at home for the first time this year, and they moved to 14-3 at home. They will play in Cleveland at 3.30 p.m. on Sunday, looking to get their revenge on that Cavaliers team that beat them for their first home loss of the year a couple weeks ago. And we'll be right back here with post-game talk about that game once the final buzzer sounds. Thank you for listening, and I will see you guys then.